Welcome to the Horizon Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our mission as a church is to win people to Jesus Christ, disciple people in Jesus Christ, and send people for Jesus Christ. If you'd like to learn more or partner with us, simply go to horizon.org. We hope this episode encourages you in your walk with Jesus as you continue to grow in His love and truth. Now, let's join Pastor Bob as we study God's Word together. Well, if you have a Bible handy, I'd love for you to grab it again with me and turn to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1, because this is Pentecost weekend, and Pentecost weekend could not be more significant of a time for us to gather together again in his name and to open his word together. So thrilled to see you here, you guys, excited to be back together and to open God's word without looking into a lens. It's crazy. I kind of feel like a preacher in a parking lot. It is awesome to see you guys here. We had a great service uh, last night and uh, praying for this one and the one that will follow as well. I just love what God is doing in the midst of what the enemy is wanting to accomplish for evil. God's turning it around and using it for his glory. Thank you for all of your emails and your notes of kindness and your faithfulness and generosity in getting us through these last uh, 11 weeks. This would be the 12th week now, and what a number, number 12, to gather the tribes back together in the name of Jesus. And you know, whenever the 12 tribes gathered together, they never gathered around the preaching. And this is what I do for a living. I mean, I'm, I'm all about it. But it's not the preaching that they gathered around, and it's not the singing that they gathered around. In other words, the preaching needed a deeper purpose. The singing needed a deeper purpose. Even when you get up in the morning and you have a time of prayer, the prayer time that you're having needs to have a deeper purpose. What is that deeper purpose? What's the deeper purpose of preaching? What's the deeper purpose of prayer? What's the deeper purpose of singing praises to God? You know what the deeper purpose is? Presence. The presence of God is what you're after in your morning time of prayer. The presence of God is what you're after when you're tuning in and listening to a, a preacher preach. Your praises lifted up to the Lord are all intended to bring you into his presence. And, and whenever they would gather, whenever the Israelites would, would stop, they would, they would gather and surround themselves around God's presence. And that presence is what I want to talk to you about this morning because it is the presence of the promise of the Holy Spirit. Look at Acts chapter 1 with me. Look at verse Look at verse 4, and being assembled together, Acts 1 verse 4, being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times of the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Hey, San Diego, 
to the end of the earth. That's us. Verse 9, and when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they were looked look steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus, oh, this is great. This is so good. Are you with me? Look at this, verse 11. This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. He is coming again. The Lord is on his way back. And they return to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they'd entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying, Peter, James, and John, and Andrew, and Philip, and Thomas, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas. That's not the bad Judas. This is the good Judas. There were some good Judases, just one bad, but he wrecked that name for everybody. But here's a good Judas, the son of James. Look at this, verse 14. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Look at chapter 2. Look what happens. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting and there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they, verse 4, were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This was all promised, predicted, prophesied by, by Jesus Christ himself. And In fact, let me show that to you. Turn over to John, John chapter 7. There's an amazing little insight into a particular day in John 7, John 7.37. That jet needs to take off again. John 7.37, look, look at this. Look what Jesus says. On the last day, that great day of the feast, you've heard this. Look at this, but let me put it into context of what we're studying together this morning on Pentecost Sunday. Look what he says. Jesus stood and he cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, and man, are we ever living in a nation that is thirsty, thirsty for healing and a, and, and a return to normalcy and, and some peace and rest where the streets of our cities are concerned. Can you just imagine this? Jesus, as he did here in, in, in John chapter 7, would just, in the midst of all of the pandemic and, and, and difficulty that is plaguing our nation right now. He would, just, he would just say this, if we would lean in and give him our attention, he would say, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Look at this. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, you, you've heard that. You've probably heard that preached, but look at the next verse. The next verse puts it all into the perspective of the fulfillment of what Pentecost has now promised to provide. Look at verse 39. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus 
was not yet glorified. So that's going back into the time of the ministry of Jesus before the crucifixion, before the resurrection, before he meets with his disciples in Acts chapter 1, and before the day of Pentecost. And it's what brings us together today, church. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but to see that it's okay and permissible for people to gather together at Walmart or to gather together at Costco, that that those places can contain hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that aren't even necessarily socially distancing themselves as customers, but that the church can't meet? Are you kidding? How unfair, how discriminating, how unjustified a hostility towards the church. But we choose today to gather and do so in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? I'll tell you this. The rioting that is happening on the streets, the fires that are being set, this is no time, America, for the church to be closed and shut. We need to be open and available and welcoming and believing and trusting in the Lord. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning, just about this, the essential Holy Spirit, the essential. You want to talk about something that's essential? The essential work of the Holy Spirit. The church is essential. It's vital. It's needed. It's necessary. It'll never be silenced. It'll never be snuffed out. It'll never be substituted. Andre Crouch, some of you remember that name, used to sing this amazing hymn that he wrote, that it will never lose its power. It can climb to the heights of mountains. It can flow to the depths of valleys. This will never lose its power. Jesus promised that the gates of hell would not prevail against it, but we are witnessing right now the existence of a battle on the streets of America and beyond, even around the world, and it is a battle for the soul of mankind, and it is a battle between the spirit of Antichrist and I'll just give you straight up his agenda if you want to know what it is. It's to steal, kill, and destroy is the agenda of the spirit of Antichrist. Or as we gather together this morning in the spirit and name of Jesus Christ who says, I've come to give life and life abundantly. Wow, that's what we need in the midst of so much hatred and, and racial tension. And if things continue to go the way they are headed, they are headed in a dangerous direction. Whether you're in La Mesa or Minnesota or Michigan or New York City or downtown Los Angeles, whether you're on a social media platform right now, people have been cooped up. And prophetically, according to Matthew chapter 24, we have just witnessed in our lifetime the move from pestilences, and it's plural, which means it isn't over and more are coming. We've moved from pestilences to lawlessness. And we need the Lord Jesus Christ. We need an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We need a spiritual awakening. We need what Jesus has come to provide. He says, if you're thirsty, come to me. He came to give us life. He came to set us free. His birth, his, his ministry, his death, his resurrection, it all is summed up in him offering to the earth a way out 
a way out, a way out of the danger, a way out of the damage, a way out of the sin, a way out of the death. You know what this is? It's a trade. It's the greatest trade ever is what Pentecost is all about. This life that Christ has now come and afforded to provide for us by his own shed blood and sacrifice life. He says this, he says, he says, your life for my life. I'll fill you with my spirit. Your spirit for my spirit. Your mind, which sometimes, like my mind, can, can be cloudy and can be confused. And he says this, he says, he says, Bob, your mind for my mind. He says, I will give you the mind of Christ. Your spirit for my spirit. Your mind, your thoughts for my thoughts. Hey, your future, your future of, of, of sin and punishment and death and slavery or, or, or my future of calling you my son, calling you my, 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 my daughter, a life either that is empty or one that is full, a life that is either lost or one that is found. So how do you find it? How do you get filled with this gift of the Holy Spirit that is celebrated on Pentecost? It's by letting go. It's by letting go of the old reliance and the old trusting in, in our power and our ability and our strength and our wisdom and exchanging all of that in for his. It is literally, North County, a transaction. It's not just an addition of you saying, well, Jesus, come into my life, and it, it's a transaction of, of, of your life being laid down for his. It's literally this. It's Jesus saying, you give me you, and I'll give you me. Hallelujah. And in our flesh, we can push back. In our, in our flesh, sometimes we can contest that. We can twist that. We can warp it. We can deform it. We can sort of come to him and say, well, how about this? How about this as an offer? How about this as a transaction? You give me you, and I'll keep me. That's safer. That has less risk attached. Because your flesh doesn't want to give up on you, you see, right? Ouch, it hurts when you give up on yourself. That's what R-I-P, rest in peace, means. It means a ripping, a ripping away and a letting go and a, and a, and a laying down. But you will, listen, you will never come to life in the Spirit until you cease living life by your flesh. And that's the subject this morning of Acts chapters 1 and 2. That's the story that's before us on the anniversary of the church, the day of Pentecost, the 50th day after Easter, and it's the best trade ever. It has a return on investment church like you can't even begin to believe. Here's some thoughts. Here's what you get out of the trade. Here are the benefits. Jot them down. Don't miss this. Might be the greatest news you've heard in a long time. Carve them into the dashboard of the car. Number one, you get his presence. This transaction, this trade, you get his presence. He says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will be with you even to the end of the age. This word presence is so important. I wrote a book called Presence. The presence of the Lord with us always. Secondly, not only presence, but power. You get power, church. The power for living godly. You will never, I will never in our own strength and power be able to live godly. 
but the Spirit comes and His presence is with us and His power allows for us to live godly. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit points us to Jesus. The entire role and purpose of the Spirit is not to replace Jesus, but to point us to Jesus. The essence of the work of the Holy Spirit is to guide and, 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 and direct and, and, and point us and help us and comfort us and, and, and lead us to Jesus. You know what else it is? It's the proof of love. It's the proof of love. Are you getting these? These are the benefits of the transaction of you laying down your life and receiving what Christ has come to provide. His presence is what you get. His power. He always points you to Jesus. And this is the proof of love. You're like, whose love? His love and your love. It's the intersection of his and your love now manifested in the fruit of the Spirit. And the greatest of these is love. It's the proof of love the gift of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, and it's the proclaimer of all that is true. Do you know that the Holy Spirit in Scripture is called, I'm going to show it to you in a moment, the Spirit of truth. How about that in exchange for all the fake news? <laughs> a Spirit of truth. And I love this one. I love that we not only benefit from his presence and his power and he's always pointing us to Jesus this is the proof of love that he would fill us with the fruit of the spirit the gifts of the spirit the the, the proclaimer of all that is true are you getting this how about this he prompts us to remember gosh the older I get the more I am in love with that benefit that he prompts us to remember what Jesus has said to us. Let me prove that one to you. With your Bible, um, I want you to see this one for yourself. It's in John chapter 14. Turn over to John chapter 14. Just another beautiful passage of the ministry of the Lord Jesus and how in, in his ministry he was weaving in with every opportunity this soon-to-appear promise of the presence of his Holy Spirit. And it shows up again in a familiar passage of Scripture in John chapter 14. Look at verse 15. You got it? Look what it says. If you love me, keep my commandments... And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. Did you see that? It's almost like the Lord Jesus is saying to us, hey, if you love me, keep my commandments. And then it kind of just sort of dawns on him. They're going to probably struggle with that one. They're probably going to forget. What were those commandments? And so he says, let me offer you some help. I'm going to pray to the Father that he would send you some help in keeping those commandments. And he will abide with you. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. He will abide with you forever. Look at verse 17. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. That is the promise of the gift of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. In fact, look at verse 19. John 14, verse 19. A little while longer, and the world will see me no more. 
but you will see me because I live, you will live also. And that day you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. And and, and he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love him and manifest. That's the word reveal. I will reveal, I will manifest myself to him. Verse 22, Judas, again, not the bad one, the good one. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Now look at this, look what he says. Verse 23, Jesus answered and said to them, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. That's Pentecost, church. That's the Holy Spirit alive and dwelling within your heart as a believer. In fact, look at verse 24. He who does not love me does not keep my words. Well, that's pretty clear. And the word which you hear is not mine, In other words, Jesus is saying, I'm just not speaking on the fly, like shooting from the hip. I'm not making stuff up. What you're hearing me say isn't even my word, but the Father's word who sent me. And these things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the helper, look at this verse, verse 26, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. And bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So if you're just tracking along and keeping a list, the benefits of Pentecost for you and me this morning in receiving this great exchange and transaction is the promise of his presence and of his power and that he always points us to Jesus. It is the proof of love as he fills us with the gift and the fruit of the Spirit. He's the proclaimer of all that is true, not fake, but true. And he prompts us to remember the things that Jesus has said. Lastly, number seven, he places you and me in a position of praise. We can never position ourselves, church, in a, pos- in a place of, of praise. It's the Spirit that positions and places us in a posture of acceptable praise and pleasure unto the Lord forevermore. Can you imagine? When God sent his son Jesus Christ to the earth and said, I need you to go and I need you to perform this great trade of your life for their life. You're going to become one of them. You're going to become sin so that they who are caught in the trap of sin might be set free. And when God the Father sends Jesus into the world, to accomplish that great transaction for you and for me. Jesus faithfully abides in obedience to do all that the Father has called him to do. But there is for that time in heaven a sense of absence as the Son now has left his glory and come to earth 
to become one of us. It would be like you and me. You've probably often heard the, 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 the youth camp illustration of, of it would be like you going down to the tide pools at, at Point Loma or Ocean Beach and seeing one of those little teeny sand crabs. It, it would be like you becoming one of those in comparison to now Jesus, the glorified creator of the universe, becoming one of us. And there must have been this sense of absence in heaven as he would leave his glory and become one of us. And God the Father must have missed the fellowship of his son during that season as he would come and become for us the propitiation and atoning sacrifice for our sins. We'll get this. As much as that absence created a longingness of the Father to see his Son accomplish all that he had sent him into the world to accomplish, how much more would that absence also be sensed from heaven in the reality of where the Holy Spirit is? Where is the Holy Spirit right now, church? but residing in your heart that you have become the temple of the Holy Spirit and the Father as he loves to have fellowship with you in your car right now is loving the fellowship that he's having with you because of the longing absence that there must be in the sense of realizing the Holy Spirit is here with us as Jesus also came here to be with us. To be with us. I mean, if you were to sum up the entire theme of the Bible, it would be those three words, God with us. That was the whole purpose of Eden, is that God would create humankind, the human race, to be with him. God with us, the, the cloud that would follow, you know, in, 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 the, in the wilderness journeys, the pillar of fire that they would follow, the tabernacle, the temple, the miracle of Christmas itself. What are we going to name this kid? Emmanuel, God with us. It is the point and theme of the entire Bible. It's the theme of church. It's what gathers us this morning on this backfield, being with him, being with him together. And we long for that trumpet to sound. Why? Why? So we can be with him for eternity. It is the theme of the entire purpose and promise of Scripture. God with us. The secondary theme that's often overlooked and regularly doubted is, when is he with us, Bob? When is he with us? And realistically, we could say this morning, he's always with us. He's never not with us. But when is he most evidently with us, church? When? When is he most consistently, most powerfully, most miraculously with us? You know when? In the mess is when he's with us the most. In the mess of life, in the pain of life, in the struggle of life, in the turmoil of life, in the darkness of the cave of life, in the crucible of life, that's when he's with us the most. Peter writes to us in, in his epistle and says in 1 Peter chapter 4, let me, let me just read this to you. He says, Beloved, I don't want you to think it's strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing is happening to you, but rejoice 
to the extent that you are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you're reproached, look what Peter says. That word means insulted. If you're reviled, if you're reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. Now, Peter's not making that up either. He actually is borrowing that from the Sermon on the Mount. It's one of the Beatitudes. Blessed are you for the spirit of glory. This is 1 Peter 4.14. The spirit of glory and the spirit of God rests upon you. Rests upon you. Rests upon you when? When it's hard, when it's challenging, when it's, when it's difficult, when it's dark, when it's scary. Listen, you're either going to turn to him or you're going to turn on him in the midst of those seasons. And maybe you're here this morning still trying to figure out which one of those. You're going to turn to him or you're going to turn on him? Because both will happen at the end of the age according to Scripture. And maybe your question this morning is, well, Bob, this, this, this promise throughout the theme of the Bible, if it is in fact God with us, where's the with, man? Our nation is on meltdown right now. Do you remember, um, certainly we remember reading about decades ago when the, when, the, when the church was rejected out of the entire nation of China. Do you remember reading about that when, when, the, when the church becomes illegal in China, gets totally shut down? And everybody sort of like looked on and said, the church is a goner. It's done. It's over in China. What happened, church? What happened to the church in China? It took off. It exploded, you guys. Listen, the limitations often bring innovation. I know that we would prefer no hard times, man. We love leisure. But success is born of the struggle. Noah would never be who Noah is without a storm in his life. Peter would have never done the miracle without there being a storm that he could actually step out of the boat and walk on the water. Listen, you need to realize that it's in the midst of that crucible that the Lord Jesus Christ, by His Spirit, is wanting to show up and shine in your life. To show off when it's the darkest that we would shine the brightest for his glory. Adversity brings opportunity. You all know the story of the three Hebrew amigos. And the hotter that furnace got, the brighter their faith shined. Come on. Crisis is actually what led Ruth to meet Boaz. And our, our self-sufficiency in North County might have felt itself challenged over the last 12 weeks. But what we have to realize is the common denominator in all of those biblical stories that I just reminded you of have one thing in common. You know what it is? The Holy Spirit. No, Bob, I don't need the Holy Spirit. I'm fine. I'm good. In fact, I think the whole thing is actually a hoax, man. Really? Yeah, I don't think I need the Holy Spirit at all. Uh, no spirit, no Jesus, no God. They're one, three in one. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. No, I'm good, man. I actually think this is all, you know, just a hoax. It's all fake news. It's all manipulation. I'm not speaking about what they say about COVID. I'm speaking about what they have said for, 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 for centuries about Christianity. 
But if you have no spirit in your life, you haven't been born again. For John chapter 3 says we need to be born again, born from above, born of the Spirit. We need to be born and filled with the Spirit. Listen, no Jesus Christ, no Lord in your life. No, no, no spirit in your life, no wisdom in your life. No wisdom in our life, it is just going to be more foolish insanity like you saw in the news last night. No spirit in your life, no resurrection. No resurrection, no Jesus, no Jesus. Do you remember that day when, 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 when Joseph and Mary actually said that? They're like on their way back to Nazareth and they look at each other and they're like this. They're like, no Jesus? What had happened? What happened? They, they left without him. And now they're in a day's journey, which means a day's journey out and a day's journey back to find him. Can you imagine going through all of the motions, all of the religiosity, and not having the presence of the Lord most high with you? What a tragedy to just go through the motions without the Spirit. And they, 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 they were like, they were like oh, I thought you had him. They assumed And then they had to U-turn it back and stop at every rest stop to see whether he was there, whether he's there, where is he, we can't find. It was a miserable train wreck of a time, and it is without Christ. And so the theme of the entire promise of Pentecost is to fulfill what the entire book is based on, that God would be with us. And that's my question for you this morning. Is he with you? Is he with you? Maybe you're not sure. Maybe you're like, Bob, I don't know. I would love to leave here knowing that he is. Well, let me show you how. And I am so thrilled that I'm able to show you how by simply asking you to turn to Luke chapter 11. Here's the key in knowing that you can leave here having the Holy Spirit Flood your life and fill your heart. Baptize you in his love. Jesus says in Luke chapter 11, look at verse 9. So I say to you, ask. That's all you got to do. Ask. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Now, if I just took the time this morning with this mic to roam around the backfield and go to every single one of these cars, you might all be asking for something different than the car in front of you or behind you. Like, is this just kind of a random ask whatever you want, or does it become specific into what we're to be asking for, what we're to be seeking what were to be knocking? In fact, he becomes very specific. Have you ever seen how specific he becomes in terms of what we should be asking for, what we should be seeking, what we should be knocking for? Look what he says. Verse 10, Luke 11, verse 10. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be open. If a, if a son asks for bread from his, from a, from his father, are you going to give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, you're going to give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, are you going to give him a scorpion? If you then being evil, look what he says, 
If you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? How about this, church, on Pentecost Sunday? How about we ask for a fresh filling and anointing of the Holy Spirit to fall to consume our sin and fill us with his goodness and with his grace. The band's going to come back up, and we're going to close. But would you pray with me? Let's just pray together. Lord, we ask in Jesus' name that you would fill us with the Spirit, with your presence and with your power. Holy Spirit, that you would point us to Jesus. And that the proof of all of this would be that you would fill us with the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. We are longing to see you work in our lives in a fresh, new, anointed, and powerful way. Would you be the proclaimer of all truth that cuts through the chaff? Prompt us to remember even what we've heard this morning that it wouldn't just be spoken about, it would be lived for. That you would place us, Holy Spirit, into a position of, 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 of praise and, and, and of pleasure forevermore. In the bulk of all of our comings and goings and experiences, may this be the one that we long for the most. You came to give us life and life abundantly. We receive that life by faith and proclaim you, Jesus, to be our Lord of lords and our King of kings. You're the only hope for our nation and this world. And more than anything else that we could possibly find ourselves living for, may we be captivated by this, by the presence and power and promise of your Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, fall fresh upon us. Make us new creations. Would you attract us to yourself and persuade us to live for you and for you in all that we live for both now and forevermore in Jesus' name? Can you give a great honking praise to the name of Jesus Christ our Lord? Hallelujah, church. We have a way maker. Come on, let's sing it with the band. Because you are way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are way maker, miracle worker, God in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. That is who you are. That 
stick around and just hang out in fellowship, but know this, we're here for you, church. We love you. Lean in, find us online. The midweek start Wednesday night, and we'll see you right back here next Sunday on the backfield. Bring a lawn chair, bring an umbrella. We're gonna have a great picnic and festival as we continue to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. In Jesus' name, amen, church. God bless you, we love you. We'll see you soon. Thanks for joining the Horizon Church Podcast with Pastor Bob. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast channel. And if this message has blessed you, please share it either directly or on social media. If you live in the San Diego area, we'd love to have you join us at a weekend service. Or to catch our live stream, visit horizon.org live every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. Pacific. If you'd like to learn more or partner with us, simply go to horizon.org. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We'll see you next time.